0: You're listening to The Bookworm on Farberadiointernational.com which is part of the family of podcasts organised by Starburst magazine. My name is Ed Fortune and I'm here with... Russ Smith, who has been released from the cupboard once more for your delectation. Oh, indeed, we, as you may know, we keep all of our presenters in the cupboard and several authors as well, which explains why Winter Winter is still not out. Coming up on today's show, I will be talking about. A CHEW! And I will be talking about uh, Benedict Jacker's Alex Verus series. Uh, coming up next time, ever, we'll be talking about some latest releases in the book, new, book world and if if you're regular listener to the show, you'll be like, oh, they're not doing book news. Does this mean this is a pre-record? It It is indeed. We are hurtling our way down the motorway, possibly on the back of a dragon, more likely in a car. <laughs> the world 24 hours a day come to listen to the show by a number of different means and ways. You might be listening to us live on FabRadioInternational.com or via the Listen Again section on FabRadioInternational.com. You can also find us on Twitter as fabradio not Fab Radio no you can find Fab Radio on uh, on Twitter but you can find us on Radio Bookworm on Twitter Radio Bookworm on Facebook and Tumblr Radio Bookworm you can also find us on Mixcloud and you can also find us on iTunes if you're listening to us on iTunes please like subscribe and comment it really does help us out um, pretty much you can get in touch with us anyway any way possible um, but if you like the show, spread it around, please.
1: Speak to us, we like that sort of thing.
0: We we do. And um, that t- tiny advert out of the way, let's get on with the latest book releases. Russ.
1: Well, hey. All right, well, not um, uh, not enormously new at the moment, but um, uh, certainly uh, certainly something I've been uh, uh, getting new on, on recommendations. Um, Benedict Jacker's uh, Alex Vera series, starting with uh, Fated. Uh, as you probably know, I'm uh, getting quite uh, getting quite into my urban fantasy, and uh, this one was recommended to me by somebody at a convention... Uh, Fated was the first book, and it was uh, recommended to me by somebody at a convention who uh, showed me a picture of the cover, and I went away and decided to uh, have a look at it. I am now four books deep into the series. I don't know how many more there are going to be,
0: but... And you'll be talking about that later in the show? I certainly will. OK, oh, in a world of new books that are coming out, um, Ms. Marvel Volume 1 is coming out in, um, at the end of August. Um, if you're a comic book fan... OK, okay, there, there are two Ms. Marvels. Well, there's loads of Ms. Marvels in Marvel Comics. But there's Captain Marvel and there's Ms. Marvel... Captain
1: Marvel getting the film and
0: Miss Marvel currently Kamala Khan Kamala Khan, the Kamala Khan stuff is fantastic, I really like it I really like that she's basically a teenage girl with a teenage girl's life and it isn't just this bland kind of valley girl, because normally when you see an American you know, an American piece of media the, the teenage girl is always this bland, she's either a New York girl who, whose dad's this big kind of you know, Italian mechanic or she's a, she's a Bland and blonde valley girl. whereas Kamala Khan's and of those.
1: So not a Transformers movie sidekick in other words. Exactly.
0: She's you know she's a real person um, from you know f- you know who has her own problems and issues and you know growing up with her family and she's you know she's a regular kid. who's mm. just getting on with her life, um, uh, moving on. Um, the Shepherd's Crown will be out the end of August. That will be the last Terry Pratchett book, and we talked about that on the show last week, that it will definitely be the last Terry Pratchett Discworld novel. Still very sad hearing about that. It's very sad. Uh, we have our suspicions as to how that will end, but we'll we'll see more when we, we actually get to read the book. I love the Tiffany King stuff. I, I really do. It's about living in the world. It's very <laughs> good stuff. Um, Zeely by Stephen Baxter. Zeely Endurance. Zeely! Zeely! I know um, nothing
1: about this, it just sounds
0: really cool. Zeely! Um, it sounds like it should be like, chalky, shouldn't it? It should be like The Zeely! Uh, return to the Aeon Spanning and the Universe Crossing Conflict with Humanity and the Unknown Alien Zeely! In this selection of uncollected and unpublished stories. So it's a bunch of his works, uh, all with one common theme, which are these creatures called The Zili, apparently. Um... We, shall we talk about a book by a black library? Let's talk about a book by a black Library. Now we assume this is coming out the 24th of September. We have honestly no idea because it's black Library, and they are a very large independent publisher, so sometimes their schedules are different depending on essentially, if there's a whole lot of appropriate toy soldiers come out coming out, they might come out sooner, so yeah. anyway, it's
1: just appear via webways.
0: Yes, by Vibers <laughs> or through the warp, maybe covered in slime. Um that makes no sense if you're not in the Black Library stuff. But anyway, uh, The Grey Knights, Sons of Titan by David Anadale. We adore David Annadale's work. He's one of the very talented writers who's there's quite a lot of them actually, very talented writers working for the Black Library at the moment. Um and this is about the Grey Knights. Uh, Grey Knights stories tend to be quite good. They are space paladins. Um, if the word pal- if you're like, well, paladin if you like what paladin a holy knight they're holy knights with magic powers essentially from in space and
1: in fact grey uh,
0: and in fact grey and off they go punching um, d- uh, noble demons uh, play gods that sort of thing in this particular one called Grey knight, Sons of Titan sounds, sounds, sounds great actually I quite like that sort of thing mm. um, I have a whole rant about Grey Knights which I'll leave for maybe a review I talked about it in Emperor's Gift when I reviewed Emperor's Gift ages ago what's uh, the
1: 5 second summary
0: um, the point of giving Grey Knights so many toys is that so they can lose them so the bigger and more ridiculous the toy because at the end of the day a Grey Knight will be punching the incarnation of hate in his underpants Right. Um, And the point of a good Grey Knight story strips the Grey Knight right down to fundamentally a huge naked guy punching monsters because it's not about their toys it's not about their equipment, it's not about their armour, it's not about their cool ball guns and all the rest of it, it's about the fact that they, these guys are kind of... Crazy enough to do this crap cr- in the first place. Yeah, crazy <laughs> enough to do it and they're, they're kind of they're, they're this hollowed out creatures filled with faith and that's all they're about and it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting thing on salutary which is actually not repulsive Hmm. it's actually kind of it's fun and heroic it's a romantic version of it's a literary rather than that not, not so nice version proper but, uh, paladins proper like paladins we... um, oh, also early September <laughs> Star Wars Aftermath is coming up yay uh, Star Wars Aftermath which we've called on this show Burn Ewok Burn no
1: <laughs> um, Ascent- Endor Inferno
0: Endor inferno, burning, Endor and inferno. Like uh, the essential novel just- so long. <laughs> <laughs> the Essential novel I like Ewoks, they're cute despite their they're they're, they're called staring eyes but Yes, uh,
1: there's also a story I can tell you with um Ed Ewoks and the Burning Endor, which, um, which I'll not, say for not on the show not, right now, not, but yeah. it's quite cool. Uh
0: chip Rendig has uh chip Wendig, who we really like because he writes very sweary novels uh, very well. Uh, has written the essential novel bridging the events between Re- Return of the Jedi and the upcoming movie The Force Awakens. So the, set in st- the Death Star has, has been destroyed, uh, and Darth Vader was dead. It deals directly with what happens next,
1: which is good because we've got about thirty years
0: to cover between films. So, but um, yeah, Star Wars Aftermath. Um, various people. It focuses on a low rebel scalp and covering and people meeting. But um, apparently, he might be winding people up, but apparently, it deals doubts like straight after the events. Oh. So, so we get to find out what those big chunks of Death Star are happening to Endor. One assumes that they don't fall on Endor, because that would be awful. No. Um, Paul Cannell has a collection called A Better Way to Die Collected Short Stories. He's publishing it on New Con Press. Is that
1: the one with the uh, Sharp-esque cover?
0: That's the one with the Sharp-esque cover that looks absolutely amazing. Uh, We're a big fan of Paul Connelly. We should get him on the show at some point. We should hunt him down in corner him and say, Paul, 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 talk to us. Paul, talk to us. (laughs) Stop stop being so busy. But don't stop being so talented, but stop being so busy for, like, 30 seconds. You know, hello. Anyway, um, Ori Salvatore has produced another book for Visits to the Coast. Uh, It's called Archmage, and it's... uh, it's, it's you got, can do it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got Dritz Sturden in. Um, if you are, if you are uh, familiar with who Dritz Sturden is and you've already got, uh, had a little sad, that's fine, I understand. Um, he is a iconic Dungeons & Dragons novel character who uh, is fra- from a race of evil people and he's the, one of the good people from that race of evil people proving that they aren't all evil. yes. Yeah, now this is—I
1: I know who he's talking about—and this is not a rant you want me going on right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dark elves and light elves.
0: Thing is, with Aureus Salvator, the book itself—the uh, book itself will be fine and hmm. the world would be fine, and the whole thing, it's the subtext that sometimes we yeah.
1: would See one of the Lords of Waterdeep. I can never
0: remember. He is. He's, a, he's one of their major characters. Dritz Dunn is one of the major Forgotten Realms D&D characters. And it's because he's kind of cool. You know, he's hes this dark elf with these two magic swords that have called Twinkle and Starlight, or whatever. And... You know, he's got a magical panther that turns into a Pokemon, and this sort of thing. He leaps round, and he's really cool. And he's he's got a sexy female. It's just a and big and band, has been she?
1: well mocked in Order of the Stick, I don't doubt.
0: Oh, many times well <laughs> mocked all the way across. He, he's he's a big bunch. Of teenage boy cliches, and he is your first character. He's the first character that you have ever made in D and D. We've got really into D and D, and you've made this ridiculously overpowered character. And despite the fact that you're only first level, you know you've got this epic backstory where you've killed thousands of orcs despite the fact that you're only first level, and uh, you know he dies two two sessions later, and the DM laughs at you. Um, We've all been there. We've all been there. But, you know, he's that character, but at a higher level. And he's been pretty so I was raising a hand. I have sad. not been there. Uh, we can take you there if you No, want. it's fine. <laughs> you really don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but, yes, uh, a short version, O.A. Salvatore has another book out. And if you've still not forgiven O.A. Uh, Salvatore for killing Chewbacca in the Star Wars novels... <laughs> don't worry because Chewbacca is still alive because they've completely ignored those books these days um. Chewbacca it turns out has nine lives hey! anyway that doesn't work on so many levels but let's uh, let's let's move on uh. Just been listening to a lot of adverts, or maybe not, depending. Um, I always meet this check, guy, especially because most of our listeners are on podcast. By the by, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please uh, like, su- subscribe, comment, share with our friends. You know all the rest of it. You know. Anywho, uh, I was going to talk about Chew on Image Comics. Yes, it's another comics review. Um, yes, they are books. Yes, get over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chew. Chew Writer, John Lehman Artist, Rob Gu- uh, Gu- uh John Lehman's also the letterer There's an absolute pile of colourists involved as well Because of the American comic creation process But mostly um, Mostly again, Rob Gillery is responsible for the art The art, by the way, is fantastically Unique and iconic And all over the shop In that kind of crazy way Crazy, crazy art style Very broad, very... Um, very character focused as well and everything is exaggerated why? why is Chew such a crazy art style? well because it's a crazy story um, it is the, the, the near future and um, all the chickens in the world and all the bird meats are illegal after a horrible uh, version of bird flu kills about twenty three American, 23 million Americans, not just 23 American, uh, Americans, 23 million people die Um, so bird flu apocalypse uh, yes bird flu apocalypse Um, and there's this whole thing so the FDA is now quite powerful um, because they they deal with food and there's a whole thing where people are desperate to try and get their hands on something that tastes like chicken Uh, enter enter our main character uh, a gentleman of the name of Tony Chu. Tony Chu has uh, one or two unique abilities. His most uh, most unique power is the fact that he's a chibiopath. That means that when he eats something, he knows exactly where it came from. So he eats a bristle sprout. He knows the farm it was on, the guy who picked it up, uh, the guy who was picking his nose when he put it into, you know, in, in, into the supermarket, and so on.
2: Huh. He knows where
0: that came from. Same with, you know, if it's an illegal chicken, uh, then he knows where the illegal <laughs> chicken came from. <laughs> How, how is something an illegal chicken? Well, chickens banned in this world because of the bird flu. Because they'll kill you. I um, also makes him a really good detective because obviously there's a. There's I can a, imagine so.
1: Yeah.
0: Th- there's been a murder, and the, there's this body. Get the get the spicy sauce out. Is this a tad eye zombie? Um, it's a very similar idea, actually. I mean, the, the thing is, in the eye zombie comic book, she doesn't do the whole. She does do the getting their vibe, brain eating thing mm-hmm. but uh, the comic book and the TV series are a bit different chew's been out um chew predates I zombie the comic book by some but not by that much um they are a whole load of books out there. I think there's one two, three four five six seven eight nine volumes from Taster's Choice all the way up to Chicken tenders <laughs> and it's still going <laughs> as well the the, the, the best oh name was ever. God. <laughs> The setup for the world of Chew is essentially this: uh, various foods are illegal. Various food people have food magic powers. So we first met Tony Chew who is a Chibi Path. We yeah. eventually meet a guy who can use food to make any weapon. So they can make like they can make machine guns out of noodles and this sort of thing. And they've got like this kind of foodomante power. There's a guy who can raise kind of gingerbread men and send them towards people. Yeah, there's this mad, mad food-related craziness. Hilarious and so so disturbing. And everything everything in the world of T- uh, of, world of is completely exaggerated. So Tony Tony has a bit of a rubbish life in the sense that he basically he can't eat anything interesting. It's all bit bland. Um, he he's got a he's got a da- daughter that he's estranged from. He has all sorts of work problems as well. Various people don't like him because he's a bit prickly as a person. Um, and his first partner, Mason Savoy, is also a chibi of um, He's a big fat guy. Um, who hunts down monsters? And it turns out that this is whole conspiracy. This is another tubiopath running around. He's very old because he ate a guy who had he, he ate a guy who had the healthy living power, so he gained the healthy living power. <laughs> so the guy's effectively a immor- mortal. Um, he's then gone on to to you know, eat various people who, through nutrition and various powers, have various superpowers. So this
1: guy's like this monster. So he's a cross between Hannibal Lecter and Scylla.
0: Yes, <laughs> essentially. He's running around causing all sorts of chaos. At the same time, there's this mass conspiracy, and there's this galvary fruit that appears, and the galvary fruit tastes like chicken, and everyone thinks it's lovely until Tony has a, has a bite... And then he realizes it's from another world, oh. and the last civilization to have had it doesn't exist anymore. Oh,
1: yeah. So this is some sort of sign, or
0: yeah, it's kind of a bad idea to to make too much Galbray as it turns out. Right. So there's a big fight involving the Galvary. and um, there's another subplot involving <laughs> <laughs> involving a chicken called Pulo. Uh He's a, he's a, he's a, a cockfighter.
1: I love I love that name. It's uh, ridiculous but i love it
0: polo is a is the the baddest ass chicken ever <laughs> but uh, but of course he has taken on giant monsters made out of pies um, essentially you know uh, occasionally you get these splash panels of <laughs> Of of Pulu versus Cthulhu, and this sort of thing, because <laughs> uh, because Pulu is this ridiculous FDA. he It starts off as a, just a, a cockfighting chicken, and then eventually they give him they give him all sorts of special special abilities and powers, so you can so you can hunt down monsters and become this amazing agent and so on. Chew is very silly, as you can probably gather, but it's so addictive. You just sit sit there going. I want to see what ridiculous thing they do next. I want to see. And the plot lines didn't leave as well. I've missed a whole load of kind of subplotted stuff and bits and pieces going on. There's a great bit where halfway through it jumps issues because it jumps 20 years. Yeah. So suddenly you get an issue 27 in the middle of a run and you're like, oh, I was reading issue 16, what the heck? <laughs> and then it jumps forward to deliver you to something from the future and then it kind of it foreshadows itself. Oh, right. So you can kind of backtrack so you can see what's going on. Um, it's so there's a lot, a lot of thought has gone into this. It's very, very clever, and it's filled, filled to the gills with foreshadowing. Um, there's, there's an entire subplot with um, uh, uh, chicken frog hybrids because obviously you can't have chicken, but people want chicken, yeah. so they they, they go know? for something
1: that tastes like chicken.
0: Well, rather than calling them chogs, as well, they call them frickin' <laughs> <laughs> so they had this—they had they this big fitting problem.
1: Oh!
0: It, it all gets fitting awful.
1: Ah, uh, the uh, flop chickens.
0: Oh! <laughs> um, so yes, uh, according to—and uh, we have no idea because this is a pre-record. According to one or two unreliable sources, apparently it's being considered for a tv series so we'll find out by the time the show comes out sdcc will have happened so we'll know either way if that's t- true or not because let's be honest if you're going to announce a tv series they're going to announce it at sdcc yeah it's comic con it's a, you know it's a comic and tv festival it's a comic come on it sounds eminently ch- tvable it does it's very silly um, it's it got some sexy bits in it as well It's got some quite violent bits in it as well So it'll be interesting to see who decides to do something with it And the direction they go in I hope they go for the more light-hearted take on it Because it could make it quite dark But it'd be silly because It's got an chicken it in doesn't it doesn't sound like
1: it's a thing that makes sense That they should go for a, a dark or grim-dark approach with it Just...
0: just but iZombie um, is a supernatural drama in the comic books, mm. and it's a police procedural homicide story in the TV series. So. And they both work quite well.
1: Good TV, both, and then we've got a uh, then we've got a lighter option, and we've got a uh, and we've got a more gritty one.
0: But anyway, um, it's called Chew. It's available on Image Comics, and they are an absolute pile of graphic novels. I recommend you start with the first one. It's by John Lehman and Rob Guillory, uh, and assorted colorists. We were lucky enough to catch up with Lauren Roy. Talk to her about her new book The Fire Children. Embrace the Alternative. This is
2: International.
0: Welcome to the bookworm Lauren Roy.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: What can you tell us about The Fire Children?
2: Well, it is my first young adult fantasy. It's a uh, girl who every 15 or so years the sun is eclipsed for anywhere between uh, five to 12 days and the people all go underground because the sun's sending her kids down to the earth and uh, if you touch one of them you're gonna die so everybody goes underground lives in complete darkness and of course she's curious and sees something strange so she goes upstairs and gets stuck up there and discovers that nefarious things are going on
0: how different is this from your other work
2: Oh, that's a good question. I have written, uh, I have an urban fantasy series that's out for adults, so it's it's definitely a switch from not only genre, but audience for me.
0: Why young adult fantasy? They,
2: they're both sort of uh, big loves of mine. I I think YA is doing amazing things right now in the industry. It's kind of always been there. I, I was a bookseller back when I was you know 16 years old, and I've never really left the industry, so... I've seen amazing things coming out for teens, and in the last few years, it's just exploded. And there's there's such great stuff out there. So I, I think it was something that I started to write because it interested me and just kept going with it and really enjoyed it.
0: Is the fantasy novel back?
2: I think so. And I think part of that is that it's become cool to read over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, because when I was growing up, it definitely wasn't a thing. <laughs> I was the kid who had my nose in, in a book and I was not the kid getting invited to parties all the time. So um, I I want to say probably with Harry Potter is when it started being cool to read and it's never stopped. And that's that's fantastic. Kids are just out there and reading and, and recommending books to each other. And you've got, you know, Tumblr where, where there are just massive fandoms of people falling in love with something and sharing it with their friend. And that's been just amazing to watch for me, just to see the enthusiasm that's out there.
0: It's very different from your usual young adult dystopia. Why is that?
2: Um, I I definitely tried to veer away from from it being a dystopia, because I, I... part of my day job is I sell books to booksellers and there's definitely some dystopian fatigue going on, even though it's, it's hot still. Um, So I wanted to do something that was a little bit different from that, but still is a very, it's a very small um, chunk of the world that you see. And it's, it's a very close knit society.
0: What's the next big thing?
2: Oh, that's, (laughs) that is a a very interesting question just with, um, it's so hard to tell because what a publisher or a bookseller thinks is going to take off at any one time might be the complete opposite. We've definitely, I've, I've seen works that we've thought, okay, this is, this is going to be the one that everybody is, is clamoring to get their hands on. And then a bookseller somewhere else goes, wow, this book's really cool. And that's the one that takes off. So I think, I think we're going to see um, a lot more contemporary, um, non-magical works for a while. That's, seems to be something that people are looking for. Um, But I think that element of fantasy is, I think we're going to get a lot more low magic, if that makes any sense. Um, There's always going to be a a market for epic fantasy. But I think we're seeing things where there's not as much magic in the world, but it's still an element to the world.
0: How would you pitch the fire children to your grandmother?
2: (laughs) Ooh. You know, here, here's the funny thing is I'm good at pitching other people's books. Pitching my own is, is terrifying. It's, it's weird being on this side of the, uh, I don't know, this side of the, the table doing that. So let's see, to somebody's 80-year-old grandmother. It's about a girl who's who's very curious and very brave and sets out to um, just go, go see a little bit of the world that she's told she's not supposed to and ends up being a hero without without realizing that's what she's setting out to do it's just who she is and she does the right thing
0: what books do you recommend
2: Ooh, i am reading right now i'm halfway through nk Jemison's the fifth season it's on it's adult fantasy it is absolutely brilliant i've i've been a fan of her since the hundred thousand kingdoms came out and this is a, a new i believe it's i believe it's the start of a series for her and i've been pushing this to everyone that i meet
0: what advice do you have for writers?
2: Keep at it. That's one of the hardest things is is finishing something that you've started and realizing that uh, you. It, it's tricky to find the right person for a work. You never really know who that's going to be. So you, you, you write your book you, or your story, you polish it, and you get people to read it, and you incorporate that feedback, and then the terrifying part is sending it out and waiting to hear something. But don't give up because I'll – the, the editor, John Oliver, who bought The Fire Children, had rejected two of my other works and not because he thought they were terrible, but they just weren't right for him. And now it found a home with him because he was the right person for that book.
0: What advice would you have for a 16-year-old vision of yourself?
2: There's so many things I would tell 16-year-old me. I, I think, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to embrace geeky things because that's, I would never have imagined that mumbled cough 20 something years down the line, there'd sort of be, you know, geek is the new cool. And so all these things I loved in, in junior high and high school that nobody else was was really paying attention to. There were people out there who were like me and enjoying those same things. And it was okay to to be the bookish kid, to be the science fiction and fantasy and horror fan that I was. Because I was going to meet people who had those same passions someday.
0: If you only had one book for company, what would it be?
2: Oh, I, I've i got to go with, with my favourite, which is uh, The Stand by Stephen King. I have read that book so many times, I, I can't even tell you. It's The only reason it's not held together by a rubber band is because it's the hardcover. Plus, you know, it's a, it's a big brick of a book. I could probably defend myself with it if I needed to, depending on the uh, circumstances of the collapse of civilization. Simpsons or Futurama? Ooh, Futurama!
0: Spaceships or dragons? We can't have both. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm gonna go with spaceships. I am I'm kind of a space geek, so let let's let's go out there and explore.
0: Truth or beauty?
2: Truth, absolutely. I think it's the most valuable thing we have, and I I'm big on honesty.
0: Lauren Roy, thank you very much for your time.
2: Thank you so much. This is Fab Radio
0: International.
1: Today, are we speaking about uh, Benedict Jacker's Alex Verus series? Um, I'm saying I have been introduced to some uh, some fun urban fantasy lately, and uh, uh, this one was recommended to me, and uh, probably and probably countless other people. On the you enjoyed um, uh, if you you've been enjoying the Dresden Files, here have a have a read of this. Um, it's a good place to actually start with it. Uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, immediate similarities, although uh, Alex Verus, uh, the uh, wizard in this case, starts off in Camden in London, as opposed to Chicago. What he does, uh, but but from there it's uh, the uh, from from there the uh, World Assembly is. Very, uh, it, it is on a uh, very similar line. You start, uh, uh, one of the things he even starts with is, um, uh, an early reference to, um, knowing about a, uh, knowing about a Chica- uh, Chicago, Chicago uh, PI who advertises in the phone
0: book who happens to be a wizard. So, uh, <laughs> hey.
1: this sounds amazing already.
0: No subtlety there. <laughs> is, is, is it a wizard called Harry? Because, you know, obviously after Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think he gets any further. I'm in fairly that, sure at this point, yeah. all all wizards in fiction are called Harry. I think that's a thing. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think it gives you bonuses to being a wizard in fiction if your if your name is Harry or uh,
0: Gandalf's first name. How old Gandalf? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
1: so Alex doesn't uh, um, isn't a PI as such. He um, he has come into um, he has come into owning a, ma- a magic shop, which works quite. Uh, well, with the whole thing in Camden, and one of the things that um, like, well, one of the things that they end up talking about is obviously it's a real magic shop. So there are a lot um, o- over the uh, course of the series. One of the things that you get is a um, is a bunch of skits and people wandering into the uh, uh, wandering into the shop, thinking it's going to be like a, uh, a joke shop or a, a fancy dress shop or um, or a. Uh, magic prop shop, but um, not actually uh, uh, not not actually owning anything that could, in fact, uh, bend dimensions or um, the rip a hole into the centre of London or, uh, or or anything like that. Uh, these exchanges are usually quite a, uh, 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 usually quite amusing. <laughs> On for a while. That's obviously not the main plot. That's a thing he has to keep him going. Uh, but actually, it. Works extremely well from uh, from that standpoint, and um, as the uh, as the books develop, you see that uh, as the books go on, you see that it, it, there, there's a um, it, it's a more important tie than it, than it initially sounds. Now, the world itself is uh, in, in terms of wizards is split uh, has, um, has some uh, ni- some nice very simple splits to get you to get you in and. Uh, Keep you uh, and uh, keep things memorable. Likewise with uh, character names and uh, types. So I'll get uh, get you into that. It doesn't doesn't overcomplicate anything. Uh, there are, for example, the, uh, the the light and dark mages, and you sort of go, uh, you sort of catch up with that and think it's oh, going to be uh, it's it's going to be another one of those, is it? And sort of is, but. There, there's there's a bit more of a, a bit more of a stretch uh, to it than that. The uh, light mages are, as um, they light, uh, light and uh light and dark are, are ostensibly good in the, the the good and evil factions, but it's not. Uh, but it, it's really not as straightforward as all that. Light tends to be more on the um, pen pushing rules uh, rules retaining side, whereas uh, a dark mage simply plays by their own rules
0: I kind of like that though, there's a set of rules to magic and you should stick to them for a reason except when you're evil, because you know rules don't apply to be splat yeah,
1: now the interesting, well, well yeah um, the, you know, the interesting line of this is that um, Alex of course was not uh, brought up in the light tradition as it were, he was actually apprenticed to, uh, to a dark mage uh, I believe the name was Richard I believe the name's Richard Drack, and yes. or something along those lines which I'm hoping is not an alacard style anagram mm-hmm. but um you know it could be anyway he's uh, he he's a person in the uh, in the background part of that, uh, part of Alex's past part of a uh, lot of characters Alex uh, deals with past because he wasn't the only apprentice so gives you a nice uh, gives you a nice hook there. Uh he's not exactly Voldemort is uh, Richard, but <laughs> um but yeah, he he's he's mentioned repeatedly because well without it being too massive a spoiler. He's he, he's 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 gone but uh, not forgotten. Ah, and and not forever.
0: Th- this sounds very Harry dressed in places.
1: Yeah, um the initial template looks um uh, look, looks quite a lot like it but um i think as the uh, certainly certainly when you're getting through uh, fated you 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 could happily um you could happily see it in the same yeah in the same universe and uh, just just you know um in the csi way and it's it's sort of uh, wizard london and the, the uh, universes could happily in, uh, can very happily interact, um, but as it goes on, you uh, it certainly picks up a lot more of its own uh, identity. Uh, what I like about Alex is not a, um, a you know if you if you work comparing wizards, where is um, you know. Uh, Dresden has uh, uh dresden's like you know having a uh, having a truck run into your uh, <laughs> run into your front room wall at times uh verus is his power comes from divin uh, comes from divination so he's not out and out uh, uh, so, so he's not out and out raw force and what he does end up having to do is uh, w- what he does get however is a series of uh, shifting futures in front of him mm. So he can... Always, uh, as long as he's got t- uh, yeah, he's a, he's a diviner. So what he can do, as long as he's got enough, um, uh, as long as he's got enough time to deal with it, he'll see uh, he will see a hundred. He will see he's he's pretty much playing a um video game RPG half the time and has has a hundred choices of what, what he can do. But he'll sit through he'll sift through them and work out what's the right one most of m- most of the time. This makes him extremely good at things like lock picking and gives him a f- uh, and gives him edges in it um, uh, gives him certain edges in combat unless he's up against a, um someone who's really good at fi- uh, who who's um, who, who's a uh, who is an exceptionally good combatant like for example uh one of his adversaries i could name is uh, a chap called onyx who is a dark mage um, referred to as a force a force mage because of his style of power he will just throw Kinetic shunt at you and um, cause a, and, and uh, cause a great deal of pain. Likewise, uh, you could probably guess with uh, with Cinder what kind of he uh, <laughs> makes toffee. Yeah, that's right. Out of people by oh. cooking them. Oh, but yeah. So who's who's
0: it, it by? What's it on? Where can we get it?
1: Uh, it's Sorry. by Benedict Jacker. The publisher the publisher is Orbit, which is same publisher as the. Dresden Vars, I believe, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I- it's available just about everywhere.
0: Brilliant. Across the world. So we've accidentally fallen on a theme. No, we, no, no, it was planned, it was planned, it was totally planned. planned. Uh, it was by coincidence or by some sort of strange divination. Indeed, it's stories about powers and superpowers and unusual powers and the people who have them. Hmm. Um, which I suppose, I mean, I suppose that's kind of like the archetype one of those things that you get in most novels is like here's a character what makes him interesting he can do this and most people can't um but you know being able to eat things and finding out where they come from is not a, really a hero power
1: no uh, i find a lot of the time the the real story with this isn't the power it isn't necessarily the power that they have it's um it, it's what they do when they uh, either can't use it or um have to or, or have to
0: Control it somehow. Oh, I was thinking actually the the magical divination ability. that made me think that like he was a sort of wizard Batman. There's an element of that because you know Batman. Batman's thing is that he plans his power. You know everyone's like, oh, he's got no powers. He's got loads of powers. He's 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 really smart. He plans ahead all the time. He's got and he's got loads of money.
1: Yeah, well he's got the he's yeah, um Varus has got similar issues actually in that, you know, he's he's eminently squishy if you come at if if you come at him the right way, but give him any sort of prep time and time and he's extremely dangerous.
0: You see, with Chew, everyone's quite squishy and they kinda of make a point that everyone is quite squishy if they end into a big fight, except for those who are very competent in combat, at which point you're pretty much dead. It's uh, combat, combat happened in a couple of pages, unless it involves Pulo, uh, because he's a, he's the devil chicken.
1: In which case, it'll it'll be a couple of
0: frames. And it's it, <laughs> it's it, it, it's you know, he's the Batman slash Hulk character, you know. You know, Pulo wins Batman versus the Hulk. I'm uh, Sorry, yeah, Batman versus the Hulk. I've never seen that. No, it must exist. They must have done it. You can who, imagine so. Wouldn't who you? wins? Hmm. Batman, presumably.
1: Um, on the second attempt, yeah.
0: Yeah, with some sort of, if <laughs> he survives. <laughs> He'll survive the first, yeah. <laughs> some sort of.
1: So, so who in your um, ideal TV uh, uh, TV adaptation is voicing Fulio?
0: Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I want to say Johnny Vegas. He doesn't actually speak, because uh, he's a chicken. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he, he doesn't have much uh, dialogue, except, you know, what? Um... So anyone really who you know a chicken maybe maybe a famous chicken from the, from that famous stable of chicken stars I've gone off the ring. Chicken what? Boo, and what? successfully what? impersonated. What? <laughs> <laughs> so um, as 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 to play Chew himself, um, you want someone thin and wiry and full of nervous energy. Um, it could be any number of people. Mackenzie Crook, maybe. Mackenzie Crook, maybe uh, Sam Well, actually, hmm. isn't would be an interesting choice because he's got that kind of craziness to him. But actually, he'd probably be better for one of his assistants. Um, Chris Marshall. Ooh, maybe. See, what, uh, and who would you cast in the, the movie version of the book you reviewed Oh, interesting one. Um, yeah, because it's that guy who plays the detective from, um, from from Arrow he would be really good as some sort of TV magician nah <laughs> do you think that might flow not get another season anyway <laughs> let's move on shall we, stop being, shall we stop being terribly clever
1: let's just stop Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm, exclusive to Fab Radio International.
0: Fab Radio. Right, time to get the cupboard ready. Um,
1: I'm um, not going back in. <laughs> I, I, I want a wonder, I deserve a wonder, and you know, <laughs> it's time. But if it we let it. you out, you may never come back. I'll come back okay. I do like it here uh,
0: I've, I've been Ed Fortune And I've been Ross Smith
1: The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production For Fab, Radio International And Starburst Magazine Presented by Ed Fortune And Ross Smith Produced by A.L. Johnson